of UFO Thinker Podcast. I'm your host Frank and today a bit of a bonus episode really because I've already already actually recorded an episode for this week that I released yesterday but to be honest there's just so many things I want to talk about and there's so much information it's almost like every time you refresh your Twitter feed there's some new mind-blowing thing that's come to light so I thought rather than just wait till next week I'll just get another one in and also this particular episode is actually all about my predictions for the UAP task force report. So I thought may as well get that out before the report drops because really it could be any day now. I mean the deadline is the uh, the 25th. So I thought we may as well um, get the this episode in discussing what it may contain before it comes out. It makes more sense doesn't it really. So just in case there's anybody that's um, not familiar with this, there's a, a UAP task force which has been put together specifically to compile uh, information and to create a summary of um, the goings-on uh, with, with UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, UFOs. And they were ordered to put together a report within 180 days uh, to be issued to the intelligence committee and the report well there's there's been a lot of speculation about what the report is going to contain what it's um what it what it may contain and that kind of thing and that's what i'm hoping to address a little bit with this this episode so when is it likely to be released um I think it's probably going to come out either on the 25th of June, which is the deadline, or maybe the day before or something, but I don't I don't think it's going to be any time imminently. Um, by all accounts, there's so much work to do to finalise this report and get it released. I, I can't imagine that they're going to get it out before, at least you know the day or two before the actual deadline, because you would think that they would want to maximise the amount of work they can do to put into the actual report. And uh, the way that people have been discussing it, I, I heard Luella Zondo talking about this again, and he, he was on a podcast that I was listening to earlier on today, and, and he seems to think that it's not going to be delayed. So the, the people in the know seem to be suggesting that it's not going to be delayed, but I think probably the 24th or the 25th we're going to actually see that, that report. Um, so what's it actually going to contain? Now, I think that there's a lot of people who are going to be disappointed with what this report contains, because I think, especially to people who aren't very familiar with the topic, um, they might think that it's going to be some kind of mind-blowing, complete disclosure moment where everything gets put on the table and that kind of thing and i think that's extremely unlikely i think the most significant thing is well according to the the leaks and and the, the people in the know who've been discussing this recently i think the the report's going to contain evidence of 120 incidents 
uh, in particular, and that that's what the report is gonna is gonna consist of mostly. One hundred and twenty recent case studies of things that have happened, and apparently it's gonna be included in the report that these were not U.S. military projects. I think even if that is basically all that gets revealed in this report, that they've got 120 cases that have happened in the last few years and that they're not military military projects and they're not kind of some kind of, you know, black projects, secret weapons or secret drone systems or secret aircraft, even if the, the Pentagon directly come out and say, look, this is not our technology that is probably the biggest thing that we're going to get from this particular report and i think if that is what's included then that that's going to be a huge step forward because a lot of people are talking about this where there's three different distinct possibilities one is that it's our tech secret weaponry secret vehicles two is that it's other countries secret tech or secret vehicles and three is that it's something completely unexplained, which could consist of a, a variety of different uh, possibilities, such as extraterrestrial nuts and bolts crafts or some kind of other dimension or who knows what. But that that's a, a whole you know separate topic. But what I'm trying to say is, if this report specifically wipes out one of those three options, that is an absolutely huge thing. So. That, I think, is if, if we get some kind of clarification on that, that's massive. And I think that's that's all we can really expect. Anything further than that would be completely mind-blowing. And I think they don't want to mind-blow. I think they, I'll, I'll go into this um, in another podcast, but I think there's a, a, a concerted effort to gradually tease this information out in a way that's not going to cause panic. And the last thing that they're going to do is just lay all the cards on the table in a report and risk complete chaos. I mean, nobody really knows the extent of what the government actually knows. So, I mean, I suppose it could be that the government don't know as much as that you might assume that they do. And if that's the case, then they maybe could put everything into the report without blowing people's minds. But I think really anything on this topic you've got to tread very carefully and i think that's what they'll do with this this release of the report so i don't think they'll be able to specify exactly how many of the 120 incidents or which ones are u.s black projects due to classified information contained within the specifics of the the sightings and obviously they're not going to want to let other countries know about you know the the, the capabilities of, of secret weapons programs um or even if it's not a secret weapons program the, the a lot of these reports could contain data and information from the observation systems that have actually been used to capture the the footage or the radar data and obviously the the pentagon the intelligence service is not going to want to give that kind of thing away but i think one thing that I've been thinking about recently is we have to consider the possibility of Russia and China or even other countries could actually be hoaxing UFOs to spread panic and concern because I mean that was one of the initial things that 
the US government was worried about and led to the various different efforts to essentially sideline the conversation about UFOs because um, they were worried about the fact that the Russians could specifically use a, a hoax UFO to jam the American communication systems in the event of a Russian invasion or some kind of Russian attack. So that's one of the reasons that this stigma persists. Uh, I mean, as far as I've looked into it, I've, I've read that, that that's the case. The original intense stigma that comes along with this topic, a lot of it is for that reason. And also just to stop people asking questions. They don't want the public to be too aware of it. So it's worth considering if, if that's something that the American government have, at a very high level have considered in the past as a reason for you know spending a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of manpower to discredit the topic who's to say that this actually may for all we know it could actually be some russian or chinese kind of hoax to spread panic and to just we know for a fact that the the russians and the chinese interfere directly with a lot of american politics and a lot of uk politics and european politics as well um, and obviously on the on the flip side of that this is vice versa as well i'm sure the 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 western powers influence what goes on uh, in in russia in similar ways but it is it is still a possibility that the the russians could be actually using specifically making some kind of hoax not to say that every single sighting is but some of them certainly could be russians trying to undermine public confidence in the armed forces or in the intelligence services because it does make you question your own military doesn't it if you hear that the military have no idea what this thing is flying above the heads then that is inherently just going to make you think okay what's going on there then you know are they doing the jobs properly there's a possibility that at least some of it could be that and we could be doing the same to the russians and the chinese and to any any other country that we decide we should be doing that with so some of the sightings certainly could be explained by that and again not to say that all of them are but that's worth considering as a possibility and we know for sure that russia and china actively spread disinformation so it stands to reason that they would do it on this topic too unfortunately at least some of the sightings could be that so that's that's that little point there also it could be that another country could have stumbled across extraterrestrial technology and already know how to use it and the sightings is their tech there's nothing to say i think about this recently there's nothing to say that if uh, some kind of extraterrestrial craft or some kind of um some kind of craft of, of any kind was to, to crash in in on this planet there's nothing to say that that would be in a western power uh the territory of a western power it could be anywhere so it could be that can you imagine if something like that had crashed in north korea and north korea just stumble across this incredible material that the that they can somehow manage to back engineer it's possible i'm not saying it's very likely but it is still possible as a as one explanation and crashes of ufos can can happen anywhere so if UFO technology exists in a minor country or a major country, they could be actively launching decoys to muddy the waters. 
So, say for example, if uh, Russia have managed to get hold of some of this technology or they've managed to successfully back engineer it, they could actually be launching decoys using elements of the technology but not giving the whole game away to kind of throw the Americans off the trail because the Americans could be hot on the heels to be able to back engineer it themselves. But again, we're talking about massive amounts of speculation on that one. I mean, America could have this technology. Like, for example, if, if Bob Lazar was telling the truth all this time, this whole thing could be to open a credible channel to throw out red herrings to throw other countries off the scent to buy time. So it literally could be a case of America have managed to suck, or at least partly back-engineer some technology from some kind of craft, and they're using this whole the resurgence of interest in the topic at the moment they're using that as an opportunity to actually throw out a few red herrings to throw other countries off the off the case of being able to actually figure this stuff out again we're, we're delving into the, the the more speculative side of things there but just a few interesting little thoughts that i've been thinking about recently but just for a second, trying to veer back onto the, the path of, of, of realism a little bit, a bit of speculation there. And I'm, I'm going to go into some more speculation after we finish talking about the UAP task force report. So if you're interested in the more imaginative side of things in speculation, then feel free to stick around to the end of the podcast for that. But just to round up on the UAP task force report... What can we expect going forward after this report comes out? Now, my biggest hope is that more funding is allocated and this will just be an interim report, as I've heard a few people saying. And once this report is actually out and um, people read through it, and obviously there's going to be a frenzy of people analysing it and, and breaking down every bit of a wording within the report, once that dies down and the smoke clears a little bit, hopefully the momentum will be able to carry forward into more funding being allocated for a more detailed proper report as to finding out what's actually going on with this what i kind of worry really is that this is some kind of squashing the issue you know let's let's just throw them a report and we'll say that you know throw out a couple of little tidbits of information and then that'll be the end of it if that is the main line of thinking behind the scenes, that's going to be really disappointing and it's going to be um, a real anticlimax. But I, I, don't, I don't think that that is going to be the case because there is so much public interest in this thing at the moment. I remember, I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I remember Joe Rogan saying that out of all of the topics of the different guests that he gets on the podcast, the one that is really that always is, is head and shoulders above in terms of the public interest is always this issue it's always the uap ufo issue and i just don't think they could throw out a report like this and and have that squash the thing and, and our people are just satisfied with that and then let's go about the rest of our lives i think it by this point the the wheels are already in motion and i don't think i i hope anyway that that won't be the case I suppose one thing that that could be a possible outcome of the report and the, and the 
the aftermath of the report is some kind of internal war within the Pentagon. I say war, it's probably a bit of a strong term, but uh, some kind of internal rift within the Pentagon between people who are pushing for this topic and to be delved into more and the people that are trying to bury it. Because it's quite clear when you hear a lot of people talking that that's the case. So it may be that people are extremely religious and they don't want to hear about this topic because they consider it against their religion or they just again a so conditioned into believing that this this topic is nonsense that they won't even they won't even have a conversation about it and then there are clearly some people within government who especially recently people have been more and more willing to talk about it and there's more and more high profile figures willing to actually have the conversation about this topic and you've got to wonder whether when this report comes out that might actually kind of really open up kind of a a bit of a tug of war within these departments because again i think it's one problem with conspiracy theories in general is that a lot of people assume that everybody's on the same page within the government or the government's trying to do this the government's trying to do that but really every single department within the government is full of people who want to do this thing and people who want to do the other thing and they have to make a compromise just like anything else in life and this report it could really bring things to a head and you could actually find that there's a real um internal rift within those departments which there may already be um but this could intensify that and that'd be that'd be interesting to see how that pans out and also it's worth considering what's the actual reaction from the public going to be uh, and i think that's for most people the day-to-day -day person just getting up in the morning, going to work, coming home, having the tea, going to bed, probably it's going to be met with a bit of nonchalance, really. People are just going to listen to the news. Maybe it's going to be mentioned a few times. But I think a lot of people aren't really going to have that much time to put into it. And the ordinary day-to-day -day person who's not really that interested in the topic, probably not going to make a lot of difference to their lives at this moment. I think the stigma is gradually being removed and that's probably likely to continue but i think the report is going to be overall extremely significant but it, i don't think it's going to be some kind of paradigm shift where all of a sudden everybody's talking about it i think they're they're specifically going to want to not have that moment just yet and they they're looking for i say they i mean I think there is, like I've said earlier in the podcast, I think there is some kind of coordinated campaign to be able to get this out to the public. But um, I think the last thing, the last way they would do that is to just throw everything into a big report and have a kind of a kaboom moment of all the information being out there. So I think the the main thing is the report will hopefully acknowledge that there are some things in the skies that we don't understand which is for a lot of people who are already interested in the topic that's already common knowledge but the fact that that's going to be officially acknowledged in writing is going to be a very important step forward for the future and this seems to be the line taken by obama um which i think is massively significant um, there is something going on behind the scenes, I think, with this info being gradually drip-fed out to avoid panic. And the question is, how much will be revealed in this report? How far are they willing to go at this stage? Probably not a lot. 
but it will definitely set the stage for future reports and further leaks and data drops. But as I said, I think there's probably going to be another podcast next week about that specific issue. Um, crazy to think that this time next week the report may actually be out. So that'll be extremely interesting and there's obviously going to be a not only my podcast but plenty of other podcasts as well discussing the report and, and uh, going into great detail about everything that it contains but allow me if you will to now move on to the next bit of the podcast which is going to be about a bit more speculation and what ifs a part two uh, as i already did one the other day last week's episode was about speculation and what ifs and this is this is the bit where throw caution to the wind and allow my imagination to go a bit crazy so if you've not heard the first part of my uh, speculation and what ifs, you can obviously go back and check that out on whatever uh, podcast platform you're listening to this on. It'll be uh, episode three, I think it was. So you'll be able to see that. Or hear that, should I say. And uh, for now, let's get into part two. So this is going to be some weird and wonderful stuff, this one. Um but as I said at the end of the last one, I think it's speculation is weird and wonderful. It is fun. It is delving into science fiction. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of things within science fiction that eventually became science fact. So I don't think there's anything wrong with letting your imagination run wild as long as you don't confuse that with the actual facts and evidence that we've got on the table. So let's get it straight into it then. So what if we are... An experiment into something so just like a child has a pet or and an, you might have an ant colony or uh, something along those lines in a museum or um, you know um, perhaps uh, you have a, a bees nest in a, in a glass aquarium so that you can see the bees actually tunneling around we do that kind of thing as a society when when I was a kid, I used to collect little bugs, put them in a tank, and watch them mooch about for a little bit, and you know, see what they did. And even though I am, as a human being, vastly more intelligent than a beetle, it's still fascinating to to look at their little world and see the kind of things that they do. What if we are uh, an experiment from some kind of super advanced civilization? So imagine our civilization in in 10,000 years we get we get to the point where i've heard people discussing this as a post biological life form so we instead of just being trapped inside of a little fleshy body we figure out some way of maybe with artificial intelligence helping us to to make these leaps in technology or, or however else just purely over time we figure out a way to not be actually stuck in a in a body and that allows an exponential amount of growth of our brain power and the, the way that we can think and our consciousness. And if we were that advanced, it, it could be possible that you could actually find your, your consciousness, your extremely advanced being, could find a planet and literally start your own race. That's a a bit of a wild thought, but... I mean, that's what I'd want to do. If I was some kind of extremely advanced intelligence, 
why not like have your own little genetic experiment and just go down to some little rock and implant the seeds of life into it and then stick around for the next couple of million years and just watch it all unfold i mean that would be some serious entertainment and i suppose it is possible that that's what we are some some intelligence is has literally just planted us on this planet just like we might plant a seed into a pot and watch it grow and uh it could be that that's what we are genetic experiment some kind of social experiment they could literally have many many experiments all going on on different planets each slightly different perhaps so on in our case it could be you know we'll create this massive watery world and have all these little rocks you know within the world that all of these little beings can live on and we'll see how they react to each other when one rock finds the creatures from the other rock and i mean if that's the case they've uh they've kind of set up a pretty interesting experiment really in our case haven't they because the way that humans have have, have reacted to one another when one one society has found another society over the hundreds of years and things like that it, it would it would be pretty fascinating to see that unfold um so like i say that's one one little thing uh, that we can consider here's one that's a bit more terrifying what if we are food now that sounds pretty pretty out there and probably one of the least likely ones that i'm going to throw out there today but we eat we eat animals we consider ourselves to be a very intelligent race and you know we consider ourselves to be the most intelligent thing on the planet etc etc and we literally farm living creatures we pack them all into little containers you know buildings warehouses we raise them we feed them we make sure that they're healthy and then at the end of it all we kill them and we eat them we consume them is it possible that an advanced race could actually feed on human beings now i find it extremely unlikely because i think by that point if you were really that advanced as i mentioned earlier there's not really much likelihood that you you mean if you're not in a body you probably wouldn't even need to eat so that that seems quite an unlikely one from that point of view but what if this advanced civilization this advanced intelligence could actually feed on consciousness so they seed a planet and then we are just consciousness machines which allows them to we allows us to replicate and grow in numbers and to the point where we're now obviously you know billions of human beings on the planet and then one day they'll come back to harvest all of our consciousnesses that's really delving into sci-fi horror territory that one but i thought it was worth putting in there so another one probably a bit more realistic what if we are accidental so what if we are purely it wasn't really meant to be but say for example graham hancock's scenario of there has been advanced civilizations on this planet in the past that were wiped out by a cataclysm of some type probably a comet and the advanced race actually fled knowing that this comet was coming leaving behind a handful of survivors perhaps by accident or perhaps because the survivors for some reason decided they wanted to stay and those survivors then seeded the current world as we know it so say for example 10,000 12,000 years ago the advanced race left the planet who'd been here for however long and 
took um, the majority of human beings with them but some were left behind and then they've just gradually kind of grown in numbers and rebuilt using kind of fragments of older civilizations that have been left behind and including things like possibly the pyramids and all of these ancient monuments that are found around the world that, that don't really seem to add up and uh, yeah we weren't really meant to be it wasn't an experiment it wasn't something where we were specifically genetically engineered or anything like that it was literally just we were an accident we were a couple of people got left behind and then look here we are now oh what if we are an uncontacted tribe so this is one of the likely situations that i see it makes a lot of sense to me when you look at the sheer numbers of the universe i mean it's, it's extremely difficult for me to imagine there being no intelligent life anywhere else in the universe even to the point where it seems a lot more logical that there are many many uh, intelligent civilizations probably a lot of these have already contacted each other and have formed some kind of galactic alliance if you like um, and perhaps as a galactic alliance they've already decided that there are some worlds that they're not going to contact until they reach a certain stage of evolution consciousness evolution or um you know the as a, as a race they, they reach a certain point and who knows what that point could be could it be the arrival on mars so we finally become an interplanetary species and at that stage in time it's time for the Galactic Alliance to step in and reveal their presence and so on. And if that's the case, there could be many, many uncontacted tribes, just like there are uncontacted tribes on this very planet, where there are people who live on little islands or in the, in the Amazon that have never seen any anybody else, that they believe that they live isolated there, and, and that is the extent of what's going on on this planet. They, they probably don't even know that they're on a planet. And... It could be that we're a bit like that. We're completely oblivious to everything else that's going on all around us. And occasionally, if you're in an un uncontacted tribe in the Amazon, you might see a helicopter flying over or a plane. And to them, that would seem just as bizarre as if we saw some kind of unidentified flying object. That's something that really intrigues me. And I, can, I actually consider that to be a fairly possible scenario. And... This is one that I touched on in the previous what if episode. What if the the UFOs are time travelers from the past? So again, according to things that Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson have said, there have been many extinction events on this planet. And you only have to look at certain very recent impacts on the planet the Tunguska event, things like that. I, th I believe that was 1908. Don't quote me on that. If you want to find it, Google Tunguska event. Pretty sure it was 1908. It was the early part of the 1900s anyway, that's for sure. That was a, an absolutely enormous explosion which wiped out a vast area of Russia. Just very lucky that it happened to be in the middle of where there wasn't any people around. And again, there are certain theories about even that event 
that it may have been more than just a meteor or a comet or something along those lines. But what if those things that have happened that have wiped out massive areas of, of the Siberian forest in the Tunguska event, what happens if there's been many, many extinction events of a much larger object actually impacting the Earth and wiping out what could have been an extremely advanced civilization, say, 200,000 years ago or a million years ago or even before the time of the dinosaurs? Because we, we, the, the current state that humans find ourselves in has literally only existed for a couple of hundred years. You know, it's the tiniest little sliver of time on this planet. And if we can manage to get from where we were 500 years ago to now in 500 years, what's to say that that couldn't have already happened on this planet a million years ago? And obviously, if, if a civilization really emerged, a human-like intelligence on this planet a million years ago and then were wiped out, there would be zero evidence left, especially if the technologies were different to the types of technologies that we have now. So there could be no trace whatsoever of these technologies, especially if they were some kind of consciousness-based technologies. And But the fact is, even if it was plastic, rubber, man-made materials as we make now, a million years later, those would be completely dissolved to nothing. So there would be no trace. And what if those civilizations that had existed a million years ago, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand years ago, whatever it might be, were actually able to travel forward into the future? And could it be that some of those pre previous advanced eras actually were able to see into the future and travel into the future, perhaps, or even just perhaps the use of that technology in the past somehow bled through into our current time now. It's a thought, it's definitely a thought. Obviously, these are the kind of things, as I said, there's absolutely no proof behind any of this whatsoever, but who knows? I mean, there's also the flip side of that is what if the nuclear technology that we that we have used over the last hundred years, what if something to do with the use of that nuclear technology actually bleeds through into another dimension or another time, like into the past? Or we have no idea the way the universe really works and we've just been setting off these devices which cause unbelievable amounts of damage who knows if that damage goes deeper than what we can actually measure and see for all we know we could be damaging other dimensions by using these nuclear weapons and if you think about the hundreds and hundreds of nuclear explosions that took place over a period of time it would certainly seem likely that if if some kind of other dimensions exist some of the destruction from those events could have actually bled through again interesting to speculate what if there are good and bad extraterrestrial civilizations in the universe and one in particular has formed a base somewhere on this planet or perhaps near the moon or in the vicinity of this planet 
And their role could actually be to monitor the planet from watchers, if you like, and protect us from interference from others. Now, this could actually be that the good guys have done this. So if there's, any, if there's such thing as, as good guys as, as we know it, or it could be that the bad guys have actually done it and claimed our planet for themselves for whatever reason. In which case, that's not going to be good. But I suppose even that is is kind of a a really complicated topic because who's to say that what we think of as good and what we think of as bad, those morals are very human things, aren't they? If you look at the natural world that we live in, the natural world exists using a very different set of morals to ourselves it's only humans really that have this concept of good and bad and you know certain animals being like cute little animals that we keep as pets and certain animals we just you know eat them for food and and things like that and maybe other consciousnesses other intelligences don't really think about things the way that humans do they don't have this idea of good and bad it certainly seems that a lot of the rest of nature on this planet doesn't really have the same idea of good and bad as what we do. So who's to say if there was some kind of other intelligences, who's to say they'd share the same morals as us? I mean, it's it's not very likely that they would, is it, really, if you think about it? <clears throat> the noted rise in reports of, of USOs and activity of UAPs and UFOs in water the activity that we see in the oceans could it be that the oceans are actually used for cooling or some kind of some kind of refueling or something along the lines of that I mean what if these UAPs, UFOs they originate from a planet or a place or a time or a dimension that is actually underwater or is an abundance of some kind of liquid and to them it actually feels more natural more normal for them to be submerged in some kind of liquid we think of it as why would they go under the water they might think of it as why would they not go under the water and I mean, who knows the reason, but there certainly seems to be a correlation. If you look at the Nimitz uh, event, the, the tic-tac that David Fravor saw, Commander Fravor, he's, he, that was associated with a, a, a bubbling white water thing going on underneath where the actual tic-tac was. And there's been numerous reports of UFOs uh, uh, you know, being around water, coming in and out of water you know, going from space directly underneath the water, coming out of the water, going into space. There seems to be some connection there. Or it could actually be that this interest in water is because that these objects literally have never seen water. We, again, we think of ourselves as being the normal thing. We're a carbon-based, water-reliant life form. What if these other intelligences, these other beings, have nothing to do with water? They don't. They've never seen water. It could be that their their bodies are actually made of some kind of other liquid, um, or it could be that there is no liquid, and and there's a, a type of life form that we can't even understand, that that we can't contemplate, that doesn't even use any kind of liquid whatsoever. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they come here specifically to see this bizarre thing to them, 
which to us is 90 odd percent of the planet is water and we just see that as normal but to them maybe that's the most unique thing about this planet who knows who knows but anyway that's that's some wild speculation to to round off the podcast with there so uh, I'd, I'd got a few messages from people saying that they really enjoyed the speculation that i was doing on the, the one of the previous episodes so i thought we'd just delve back into that and i'm definitely planning on doing some more speculation as time goes along but i think the next week's going to be absolutely fascinating we're going to be seeing the the hopefully we're going to be seeing the the task force report coming out as i was mentioning in the first half of the podcast um so looking forward to that and i'm looking forward to just opening up my phone straight after i finish this podcast and seeing what other crazy things have, have come to light some new senator has, has revealed some comments or who knows that's the kind of times that we're living in at the moment fascinating times interesting to speculate but also as i say very important just to separate the science fiction from the facts so make sure you keep looking at that evidence make sure you keep looking at the skies and I'll hopefully see you in the next podcast UFO Podcast UFO Podcast